a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Houston Supercross wrap-up. So much to talk about, uh, and only two rounds down, and uh, maybe it is really called Death Cross. We'll, we'll d- dive into that a little bit, I think, on the show. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Flyracing.com, Blake Baggett, Weston Pike, the Seven Deuce Deuce, just some of the guys that wear and rock fly racing each and every week. The F2 Carbon Forge helmet. It's the same helmet that these guys wear. They take it off the shelf, put it on these guys' heads. It's crafted to adhere to strict safety standards. It uses the MIPS technology while incorporating a Kevlar shell construction. Kevlar, same stuff that they use in Bulletproof Vest. Five colorways plus a Weston Pike signature helmet. You can pretend like you're headed to the Outdoor Nationals, even if you're a weekend warrior stuck at your desk. Ride safe, ride smart with Fly Racing. Thanks to those guys also, too. Maxxis Tires. Jeremy McGrath has been using Maxxis for a while, and he's developing a new tire for those guys. And besides that, did you know, uh, from, your, from, your, from your dirt bike to your car, light truck, trailer, ATV, mountain bike, and more, their mountain bike tires are really good. Uh, and uh, Maxxis Tires will let you hook up, pull the whole shot, and beat your competition in any terrain or conditions. To learn more, visit Maxxis.com. And the Alpine Star Protects line, of, uh, of course, uh, all of us on this phone call have used Alpine Star products for years. And they continue to set the benchmark with their Tech 10 boot. It further advances the innovations that make it the most technical motocross boot ever. Alpine Star Protects and the A4 Chest Protector. It's a fundamental statement for the company responsible for continued progression of cutting-edge technology and industry-leading safety in motorsport protection equipment. The Alpine Star's A4 Chest Pro combines performance with protection into a lightweight chest and back protector. That's something that uh, the guys are super proud of is their whole protection line of Alpine Stars. So we thank those companies for coming on and also to RacerX, of course, for uh, letting us put this up each and every week. All right, with me on the line to talk Houston and more, first up, from FlyRacing.com, German Supercross champion, Tyler Bowers is now the new one. Jason Thomas, what's up, JT? Not too much. Yeah, it's good for good for Tyler. That's uh, that's pretty cool, man. I I don't know that he. Well, I know he hasn't been there as often as I had been there, but it's still a big deal. You know, even if it's not, you know, he's got arena cross titles and all that stuff too. But um, anytime you can win a professional title in anything, it's uh, it's a cool feeling. So congrats, babe, new baby, new titles, all kinds of cool stuff going on for him. The bear is popular in Germany. All right. Also on, the, also on the line, uh, the voice of uh, American Motocross, the voice of Geneva Supercross, the voice of uh, Endurocross, the voice of Flat Track, the voice of GNCC, the voice of Quad Racing, the voice of anything and anything, Jason Wygan. What's up, Weege? Yeah. Can we talk 
about your hotel situation and just um, how amazing you are, JT. No, I, I, I that, that's down the line. That's down the I'm line. I'm mad that um, I'm paying for a uh, landline through my cable company. It's supposed to be the best thing you can possibly get. Paying for it. Uh, it is a landline. It is through the internet. I believe it is not Vonage. It's not uh, some weirdo thing. It is thirty dollars a month. Many people have this. You know, you have your cable phone and internet together on one integrated bill. And last week in the podcast, it cut out, and it has not worked since. So I'm very upset about this. This is $30 a month. I don't need a landline for any reason except this podcast. And this is two races and two times that did not work. And keep in mind, no we, what I do. we bought no you what a I phone. Do. We bought you a phone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the phone that you bought me now says, check telephone line. Thanks. Yeah. Did you end up yep. staying with the random fan Saturday night? No. Very upset about that, too. Uh, Steve Mathis and uh, Michael Antonovich convinced me to go to dinner with them at a 24-hour Mexican restaurant. And uh, by then, we were done at, what, 1 o'clock? Yeah. And I was like, well, this is just pointless now. Now I'm going to have to go to a guy's house, you know, make nice, you know, introduce myself, settle in. I can just go to the airport and start typing right now. So, so you I did had, not get to get the cultural experience of hanging out at so, someone's house. So just to recap, fans, mm-hmm. Racer X uh, sends Wygant to the races, and they agree to pay for accommodations for two nights for Jason Wygant to stay at the race. They agree to this. However, his flight was at 5 a.m. on Sunday morning. And because we get out of the press conferences pretty late and everything else, Wygant said, no, 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 Racer X, I don't need that room. I will just go straight to the airport after the race and start working at, at you know, 1 a.m. And, and I do not need that $64 room. I will save you the $64 because that's what I paid for, for a Hyatt. Um, so don't – It's so I'll just go straight to the airport. I won't sleep or I'll sleep on chairs or I'll sleep, you know, by the vending machines or whatever. JT, this is simply ridiculous. It's just unbelievable. It's so on brand, though. I mean, if if you want to really understand Weege in a nutshell, this is a perfect story. It is because it's not his money. It's not his money. Doesn't it's matter. It's not his money, yep. which he doesn't care. It's the fact of spending money. Period. And I don't know. I don't get it. For me, I'm saving I the really, company I work for money. JT, would you rather pay Pike uh, twenty thousand dollars less or more? It's not your money, but would you prefer your rider to take less money? That's different because for me to be able, so we, you know, we're off the track for, let's say, uh, 14 hours, 13 hours, 12 Mm -hmm. hours, whatever the number is for me to be able to go somewhere and take a shower and before I have to go get back to an airport and fly on an airplane and then drive home and all that stuff after a 12 hour work day, that's a big deal to me. I would pay $60 for a shower at that point. I really would. If you were said, Hey, you, you can be dirty and then not be able to lay down at all and then have to go back to the airport and then fly home, or you can pay 60 bucks and you can shower and feel like a human again, I would do it. So I think that's the fundamental difference. It's not even about whose money it is. I just, I, I can't do it. I, I mean, I applaud you. Like, good for you. It's, it's, it really, really drives home the fact that that's who you are, but I could never do it. Steve, I know you pay people to come to your house on Monday and do the show as a co-host. Yeah, I do. Yep. Would you rather pay them more or less? Um, no, I just want to pay a fair money for a fair amount of work. You know, yeah, so this is fair. Like, why should Racer X pay for 
$54 for a hotel. I'm going to be there for an hour and a half. I'm going to check in, type for an hour and a half, check out. Well, you're not going to shower? So you're it, not going to lay down on a bed? You're not going to get a little bit of shut-eye at all? No, no, because at 1 o'clock, I have to start writing. And then at 3, at the latest, I will have to start going to the airport for a 5 a.m. flight. So it's pointless. I mean, I will sit there and type. So, so one of JT's one of JT, JT's VIPs uh, was very kind, invited you over for the night, but just the time Turbo. didn't work out. Yeah, yes, yes, Turbo. And just for story purposes alone, like I was ready to go, and then you and Anton hit me up. I was hungry. These are long days, as JT mentioned. I will go for food, and I will even turn that food bill in. Although I am mad that I didn't realize that place had like a salsa bar. There was no reason. When I got chips to pay extra for queso or guac, I could have easily been handled by the salsa bar mm-hmm. instead yeah. of paying for queso and guac. I was very upset. Yep, you were. You were. I can vouch for that also. It's it's incredible, yeah. folks. It's If you are a uh, CEO of a uh, company that's running a little bit wild with expenses, call up Wygant. He'll he'll tighten that belt. He'll ca- cut some costs. He will he will overlook your co- company and really, you know, try to try to rein in the spending that your company does expense wise. By like if like if I go to my boss and say, hey, I need a uh, I don't know a microphone to use to make videos. They would rather purchase the hundred and twenty dollar one than the hundred and eighty four dollar one. They'd rather save the sixty four dollars. They would be happy to not spend the $64. So to me, this is the same as that. Like, what, what's the difference? You're trying to spend as little as the, as you can to keep your company in business. That's, that's the goal. Right. Okay. So, so $64 is $64 no matter what. All right. It's yeah. just, JT, it's just, it's, uh, I, we may as well just move on. It's not. Yeah. We no, have mention the, uh, the new magazine. Put it in there, Steve. Put it in your reads. Why do you not? I'm, I'm getting there right get... now. So. Hey, oh, okay. So, hey, everybody. So, please pick up Racer X magazine uh, each and every month. Subscribe, preferably. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, they don't read magazines anymore. I get this. I, I hear it from you people. I don't read magazine I- anymore because everything's free on the internet. Well, yeah, we know that too. So, we don't put the same stuff in the magazine that's online. We just don't do that. And so, there's interesting features on the ma- in the magazine that are way, way more in depth. Take a second, third look at things, and uh, you know, pick it up. It, you'll learn some things. You'll, you'll, it'll, it's entertainment. It's 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 much better. It's cheap too. Subscriptions are cheap now, everybody. So this this month I've got a feature on. So the French have won the Motocross Nations four years in a row, and we wanted to find out why. Why did they do this? What's going on? We know that they they get together before the destinations and run a little simulation camp, training camp with their guys, and they've also won with four different lineups. Only Paul Lynn has been on the team all four years. They won with an Enduro guy last year, for God's sake. So I called up Muscan. I called up David Villeman. I called up, I emailed back and forth with the French team manager um, of the Disney Nations team. And uh, I got to the bottom of what, what's going on with French, French motocross right now and why are they so good. So pick it up. And Davey, Davey did a terrific story on James Stewart. He got some quotes from people that I'm really surprised they talked to him, to be honest. Weech. Yeah, uh, anyone involved in a James Stewart thing, not just James himself, I think is afraid. Well, if James has been talking, I better not speak for him. So, uh, yeah, I was surprised, too, that he got some people on the record, people from Red Bull 
And um, God bless Rojay Roger Larson, who kind of runs seven. Because he has to go to races as a gear guy, he just becomes the de facto, if you've got any questions about James, I guess you can ask him, guy. Uh, so God bless him for dealing with that every weekend. But, uh, yeah, he's spoken the mag. So it's something. I mean, it's not James Stewart explaining himself on the record, which may never happen. But it's definitely more than nothing. Yes. So so, so that's good. Subscribe. Yeah, cool story. Yeah, subscribe. Yep. Pick it up. If you if you people don't, um, I'm, we're going to stop these podcasts. We'll just stop <laughs> I have them. a story in there with uh, – I had a long uh, conversation with Trey Kennard. I originally was talking to him about his safety foundation. Um but then I really started asking him about his career and, like, the anxieties he went through and how scared he was to go to the line after that huge injury when he did come back and how hard it was to be happy as a racer. Yeah. Uh, and that's, again, yeah, only in the magazine. Also, Justin Cooper, uh, feature on him. Again, all these things are only in the magazine. Can't, can't read them online. We're not going to post them anywhere. Yeah, so if you don't subscribe and buy it, we're just going to stop these pods, too. So. Yep. That's it. It's bottom line. All right, let's go into into Houston. Uh, thanks to Fly Racing. Thanks to Alpine Star Protects, Maxis Tires for all coming on board. Um, let's get into Houston. Well, uh, we let, our buddy Phil likes to call it Death Cross Wygant, and we are two rounds in, and the title favorite has missed two races, uh, DNF and DNS. Uh, the winner last week now has a separated or dislocated shoulder. I'm not sure exactly which one that is. Um, I forget the definitions. Um, Dean Wilson has missed both races. And, uh, yeah, Death Cross strikes again. But seriously, with Tomax unable, uh, unable to go and with Marvin crashing out and he'll be this – is, this is a terrible start to the series. It really is. And it's, it's nobody's fault. JT, you know better than anybody. It's the way it is. But, wow, what a – what a blow to the series to start the year. Yeah, it's not great. Um, my question is, so, you know, last year, uh, we made mention of this several times, but with Dino, his, his whole mission was to get through the season. Just get through the season healthy. Don't do anything crazy. Don't take big chances. Finish the series. Get races under your belt, which he did. He raced the whole offseason, you know, didn't have many real incidents. Then... You know, we sit back and we, you know, as is our job, we bench race and we wonder and we pose questions as to his motivation to kind of step it up. Was he going to take chances and, and start going for wins? And lo and behold, the first race of the year, first heat race, he does a, you know, I don't think it was anything that he's not capable of pulling off, but it was a pretty high-level move. You know, wheeling down the backside of that jump and trying to blitz through that was something that most people can't do. And he crashed in the process, and now he's missed two races, and we'll have to see about the third. But do we attribute that to him and his strategy changing? That, that's the question I would like to discuss as far as was that, just, was that just circumstance and that's just racing, you know, and he chalk it up to, well, things happen, or was it because he really changed his, his approach and his outlook? We, I actually talked to Dean and his mechanic, and they say, uh, yes, that was hanging it out. That was the new hanging it out, going for it. He thought he could pass bag it right there, and there it is. So uh, I'm surprised they admit that. There you go. But, uh, yep. If, uh, yep, going for it. If somebody goes out again this weekend, one, uh, one of the top guys, Weege, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> like, it's going to be – it's not that deep of a field right now. We were talking about that. And, and yeah, it's just a bummer way to – I mean, I, we'll, get to, we'll get to Anderson and we'll get to Plessinger's Amazing Ride. I just – I wrote a couple of things 
last night, and, and they focused on, wow, how quickly the air goes out of something. Yeah, uh, I was not on the hashtag deep field thing when this season began. I feel like that's an automatic that everyone just says that. But honestly, it's the same riders we had racing last year, except we don't have Dungey anymore. Uh, Kennard also retired. Um, so And Reed, I don't think, is as prepared as he was a year ago. So it's certainly not the deepest field ever. It's literally the 2017 field minus last year's champ. Well, and no, never mind. So, also, too, yeah. Weimer and Bogle just came to mind right now, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, Mookie's back, but Mookie wasn't Anaheim one last year. Yeah, exactly. So the every year everyone says deep field. It's deep, but it's not as deep as we've seen it, that's for sure. I mean, just go back and look at 2013, 2014. I mean, those years were crazier than this. Um, but I'm almost feeling now that if it keeps going in this direction, it might almost end up being better because, yes, right now if you're Tomac or Moosecan fans, you're probably saying, great, they're done. Well, how are you going to come back from this? But has it just become a chaotic year where everybody, like everybody's still in it because maybe Anderson blows 25 or 50 points here and there. Maybe Roxon does. Maybe yeah. somebody else does. Is it somehow make it even less of a chance that Tomac's out because maybe this is proof that everybody's going to have these situations? Um, yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I often, too, because I've been, I, well, as 11 years on different teams, all the work and plans for these dudes are just poof, gone. You know what I mean? I don't know. We're, 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 speaking of Racer X Magazine, we are coming up with a, a feature story on, I don't know, can I give it away, Weed, or no? Uh, yeah, go ahead. What the heck? Well, we're, we're doing a feature yeah. on, well, listen, if if, if, if Schmanschmoe's Motocross comes out with this, we're going to be really pissed. So, But okay, anyways. <laughs> we're doing a feature on all the brands. Um, each brand and their their goal going in and everything else. Well, I got assigned Kawasaki just because I probably was over there for coffee. And, I mean, <laughs> I got to write about <laughs> – I got quotes before the season started, well, I get <laughs> I mean, and I'm going to get some quotes this coming up this weekend, and uh, it's going to be drastically different. And I look at these guys and all the work they put in and all the plans and Monster Energy – you know, and, and Red Bull and, and uh, everybody else. By the way, uh, Rockstar has a guy out, and Red Bull has a guy out, and Monster has a guy out. So it's all symmetry there. But um, anyway, so yeah, I look at the, the the amount of time these guys put in, and, and it's just poof, it's gone. So I don't know. Well, you know, it's just uh, to me the number one thing was wow. We had two races in, and two would be champions just are now facing a huge uphill battle. You know? Yeah, I have a question. Yes, I have a question. So after two races, it's pretty fair, I think, to say that the best four guys were EY, Marvin, Anderson, and um, – sorry, why am I drawing a blank? Roxon, yeah. right? Is that, that fair? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you're Anderson or Kenny – so the, the, those are the two left, and we'll, and we'll see what happens with Marvin and EY this week, but if those are the two left, I think both of them – would have chosen this scenario. If you're going to take two out and you're either Kenny or Jason, who do you want to take out? I think both of them would choose Marvin and Eli to be gone. Just wipe, wipe them out. Because I, I think for Kenny, he's looking at, okay, Marvin's, Marvin's good. He's consistent. He's going to be fast. He's got a lot of momentum. And then Eli, he's, he won nine races last year and he just, he's just good. Like, you know, you're going to have to deal with Eli all year. 
And it, I think he looks at Anderson and is like, well, he's really never been able to put it together for a whole championship. He's always had something that throws him off, whether it's an incident with Freezy and he gets DQ'd or he crashes or just pick you know, a random circumstance that takes him out of title contention. And then if you're Anderson, you look at Kenny, and you know we know the story there. His arm's a question mark. It's getting better, but he's not the same Kenny that we've seen before yet. Right, and I'm not. I'm not saying that's an indictment on Kenny. I think he's getting better, but he's not the same Kenny that comes out and dominates quite yet. So I think for those two, they're sitting back and smiling right now. I think it's best case scenario. Um, and man, if they could draw this up, I think those are the two they would take out. Um, the the real question is between Anderson's consistency issues and Kenny's arm. I, I mean, who's gonna who's gonna step up and take this thing? Because I really feel that Eli and Marvin whether in practical terms or just in theory, I kind of feel like it's it's pretty much over. Because I don't, I don't think either one of them, even if they can ride, I don't think either one of them will be very good for quite a while. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, by the way, I think i got to get some new sources when I was told that Eli would be at 80%. Because, I mean... It was weird. It was I'm, weird. i, I got to think that's an AC joint because it's not bad enough, JT, where you can't ride, but you're in a lot of pain. You're in a lot of well, pain. He, he blitzed the whoops the first lap of practice. Oh, that was the weirdest thing of the whole oh, I missed that. The whole day. Yeah. yeah. Like normally, if you're hurt, just like we saw from Chad at A1, you're going to roll around. You're going to avoid the tough stuff. Yeah. You know, just like Dino, he was able to ride on Thursday or Friday, whenever press Friday, I guess. But then when he tried to ride on Saturday and they put whoops in, he couldn't do it. So for Eli, a shoulder, you know, the whoops are going to be the toughest part, and he goes and blitzes them the first lap, and I'm like, well, he well, might be good here. No, Dean never even it, went out on Saturday. Right, right. But I'm saying I think even if they he was able to ride on press, right. when they, they put the whoops in, I think everything would have changed. Yeah. yeah. So it's weird. It's like he went backwards. He blitzed the whoops the first lap, rode a little bit, and then I don't know mm-hmm. if he was just like, I can't go fast or what, but it was, it was weird. I, I didn't expect him to blitz the whoops and then decide he couldn't do it. He wasn't even – yeah, I mean, he, so my 80% thing I heard was no, really far off. He's 30%, you know what I mean? He, he, was, he qualified 40th fastest, I believe. So. We only did two laps, yeah. two full laps. Um, so. Yeah, so, gee whiz. So, okay, well, hard to see Eli lining up this weekend. All, both of you agree, right? Do we agree it was not a contusion? Do we <laughs> believe that it was not a uh... – Yeah, yeah. Just a lot of black yeah. and blue there, a lot of bruising. Yeah, it, I think yeah. it depends on what's really wrong, and I don't think any of us really know what's wrong. If it's if it is an AC joint, if it is, I, and I have no proof of that or evidence or any reason to believe that other than what you told me, I have had that injury, and I was I raced it, and I had the highest degree you could have without surgery, and I raced at two and a half weeks, and I was pretty close i got a i got a like a injection into it to numb it um i wasn't 100 percent, but i was decent um, so but doesn't it seem maybe, like doesn't it possible. seem like classic ac joint where you 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 don't need surgery you know time heals it and and but you just it's not you need a little bit of time and, and well you don't know you never know that's the whole thing we don't know <laughs> i mean there's so many things that could go on with a right. shoulder injury to the for me to sit here and say it's an AC joint, I, I don't know that. Well, not, I, I'm guessing. No, of course, but it's not a bruise, and it's not like a torn rotator cuff or you know, uh, you know, a massive 
ligament tear. Well, or something. I don't know that we so, know that. Do we know that for sure? Well, would he even try if it was something super gnarly? I mean, he he remember after he got up from that crash, he did like two hard laps or a lap, mm-hmm. a, a lap and a half hard, anyways, before the pants kind of all came undone and everything else. Well, um, so and that's where I would almost I would almost wonder about an AC joint because the only I've only done it once, but there wasn't a chance in hell I was getting up and doing any kind of laps when I did mine. Right. Like there's no way. So I don't, I don't know. That that's another that brings up another question. So and do what about Marv? What do we think? Does he race this weekend? I think he does. If he had a dislocation, I think he does, but I don't think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be really difficult. Unless he did like a lot of structural damage and he's going to need surgery, if it's something where he just popped it out and popped it in mm-hmm. and everything's still intact, I think he's going to be in a, a quite a bit of pain trying to yeah. trying to wreck cuz he couldn't he couldn't even go out there. Like he tried to get on the bike for the LCQ and he couldn't even do the start, you know? Yeah. So I I don't see that getting huge amount better in seven days if he can ride i think it'll be well it's gonna be a rough rough day well why can't like you said the whoops bite bit him why can't you've always been going was, on and on i was calling it and you i was calling it you have talked about that non-stop jason called it yep jason jason, jason right here yeah um yeah i mean he well he the crazy thing is he crashed while jumping them and i mean jt i guess they were i mean we all know about his whoop problems i mean mookie went by him what was Mookie in the heat race? Three bike lengths behind him going in? <laughs> That's how he rolls. Uh, uh, and heat race Mookie went Mach 5 by Marv, and it was the next lap, I believe, that Marv, Marv crashed. And and it was big whoops, and we've talked a lot about his weaknesses, and we've known it for years. And I, I mean, he blitzed them a couple times pretty good, but he definitely was uncomfortable in them, JT, most of the part. And they probably were too big to be jumping at that point. If he had just been able to get through that heat in the main, yep. it was not a factor. Yep. Yeah, that was the whole thing. You know, he was getting frustrated because he was blitzing, but he's just not as good as Brayden or Mookie, who both, I mean, they just kind of blew past him. Like, he really didn't even have a chance to beat. And, and to be fair, those are two of the best guys in the whoops in the class. So to have to fight off two guys, those wouldn't be anywhere near the top of the list of guys you want behind you entering a whoop section. So then the next lap, he comes around, and he tries to jump, and it's it's not great. And then I believe it was the next lap he tried to jump again and ended up crashing. But you're right with the whole thing because they rebuilt that section with the Bobcat. And anytime you rebuild whoops at the bottom of them, they're going to be a little bit abrupt right in between there. And it takes – it takes honestly, it takes the privateers, which, you know uh, – that's just kind of how it goes. The lesser guys are going to be rolling those whoops and roll them in, and, and they take away that sharp edge at the bottom, and they make it just easier to get through. And you're right. I mean, it it, it was, you know, I think it was a bit of frustration and a bit of a lack of patience because if he just suffers through that heat race and he gets, what if he gets sixth? You know, he just cruises around, gets through the whoops, and he's so good on the rest of the track, he'd be fine. No problem. Oh, right? yeah, he yeah. I mean, bad gate pick, but you're fine. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, he's good, though. And then he's a great starter. So I think even if he comes out top five, he would have been so good in those whoops in the main event. I think he would have made Plessinger look silly. He would have been so good in them because you want to talk about a recipe for what he's good at? The main event whoops were right up his alley, and if he was still around to watch the main event, he probably was just cringing, knowing how good he would have been in that section if he would he had just made it through the heat race. Yep, absolutely. Well, um, so Roxon led, Anderson won. Anderson's in the points lead, two one, two races. Um, first of all, though, Weege, Roxon, surprised he got caught because I was. 
And, and was it the arm that got tired or did he get tired? We'll never know. We'll never know. But um, he had about two seconds, looked good, looked in control, and uh, I just thought he got tired. I thought he, he stopped. He was stopping in the corners a little more. He was pausing a little bit, and that's all Anderson needed. So uh, what do you think, Weege? Well, for sure, I thought Roxon was going to win it uh, halfway through. I mean, Anderson was closer at the beginning of the race. He and Barsha actually drew away a bit from Anderson. And Anderson had been so good in practice and the heat. It was like, well, I guess that magic just isn't there now. Um, so I was surprised that the race came to him like that. And, again, Anderson was riding awesome all day, and he did explain that he, you know, the track was obviously a lot different than what he was dominating on in practice. And he was trying to find different lines, and he realized, nope, you just got to use this crappy main line. It's the only one that's going to work. And he said once he figured that out, he got better. But you got to put a little bit on. You don't expect Ken Rock somebody has that kind of a lead nope. to just get caught. So, yeah. Now, I don't know if you can completely point it to the arm. It's technically the first laps he's led um, yeah, coming no, back. No, no, so I'm maybe not, it's yeah. all part of the step and all part of the process, even mentally maybe. Yep, no, I think yeah, I think so too. I don't think you can be like, yeah. uh, oh, it was his arm, or it was his, or, or just it was first yeah. race leading in so long. Uh, what do you put it yep. at, JT? You know what? It's weird because, like you guys said, Anderson was a ball of fire all day, and then I don't know if he was struggling with uh, struggling with lines or struggling with intensity, or maybe he was just being patient and. Uh, that would be the most encouraging sign is that if he was, if he, if his confidence was at a level, you know, minus Marvin and minus Eli to where he wasn't in a panic with, with Kenny out front that he's like, yeah, I've got 21 minutes and I know I've got the speed here and, and I'm not necessarily concerned with Kenny gapping me by 12 seconds or something to where I can't reel him in. That would be something if you're, you know, if you're Bobby Hewitt or you're, you know, anyone with Rockstar Husky, you're like, man, if that's the case, uh, we're going to be looking good here because in his riding, there was no, it didn't seem like there was any sense of urgency. So I don't know if that was on purpose or if that was just he, he wasn't quite quote unquote feeling it yet. Uh, but there was definitely um, a method to his madness as far as reeling him in slowly. And then he didn't really force anything. He just kind of waited on him and, it's weird. It was very Dungy-esque as far as his approach to it. Um, he just slowly caught him, made the move, and then he, it's not like he went crazy for a couple laps to gap him like Stu would do or Ricky would do. He just kind of slowly rode away from him, and it was uh, it was very anticlimactic, honestly. It was a race. It was a track that forced a lot of mistakes from a lot of guys. You know, so you it's almost a battle of mis- of least mistakes, and you couldn't. I think you could only go so fast. You know what I mean? Because well, you, yeah, you, I, I guess so. But it, it, he looked different at the beginning of the main event than he did in practice or in the heat race to me. He just looked very mellow. Um, I guess the real question I don't know the answer to is: was that intentional, or was he just right. not feeling great, or had the lines changed, and he he just didn't have it sorted out yet? So right, you did, he's the only one that would know that. Yeah. But I, I definitely noticed a difference in his riding um, in the early laps of that main event. You, you didn't answer the question though. You have three options here on why Kenny got caught. Okay. And we don't know. We just theory. Three theories. And which theory would you lean towards? Because we don't know. The arm, physical, just uh, physical uh, shape in general, or, mm-hmm. you know, first time leading in over almost a year. Well, I, I tried to answer it because, my way because I didn't, I didn't like any of those. I oh, think well. Anderson was just better. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think Kenny did anything wrong. 
I don't think he got tired. He didn't look tired to me. He didn't look like he got nervous. I just thought Anderson was better on that Saturday and over 21 minutes generally the best guy if you're anywhere close to each other the best guy is going to come out and I, I just think Jason was a little better on but, Saturday I don't think but, it was but Kenny was better early he pulled away a little bit you know um so. yeah but Kenny was also out front you know so it's hard to it's hard to you know come it's hard to go apples to apples when somebody's kind of in traffic versus the guy with a whole shot too so I don't I don't know I just think Jason was better and if he was staying patient and not worried about Kenny, um, that's going to be a dangerous situation for these guys moving forward for the next 15 rounds. Uh, we, uh, Barsha got third again, led some laps. Really impressive how he uh, regrouped and got Seeley back after making a ton of mistakes and kind of thought that Seeley could hold it. And then in the press conference, Weech, he said, the team is great. They have put some new people in places there. It's super professional. It's a lot different than the last couple of years that I was dealing with. So it's awesome. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but I talked to J-Bone about that. You know, obviously that's a shot at JGR. But I said to J-Bone, I'm like, look, man, compared to what he could say, I mean, if you're a rider and your value has gone from paid tons of money and thought of as a potential, you know, best guy in the sport, like who knows, when he came in as a rookie, there's a chance that Barsha could become the 450 Supercross champion. And you go from that to can't even get a ride. And now you feel like after these two races you can prove, see, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I'm, I'm good. It was, it was the bike and the team. I mean, dude, he's got carte blanche to do way worse than that. Um, so I said to J-Bone, I'm like, dude, if all he's going to say is this is a super professional operation and it's different than the last place I was, like, that's a win for you guys. I mean, he could say this proves the other bike sucked or the other team sucked. Or that it wasn't me, it was Ben. Like, oh, he could have been so much worse. Yeah, but uh, um, listen, if you're a rider, but we know some it. of the things. Rider, that's, that's we, the most frustrating thing ever. Dude, we know some of the things behind the scenes. You don't think J Bone could be, talk about some lack of professionalism? But he's not in the press conference, getting on the podium with the opportunity to say, "I told you so." I like, know, but I'm, but I'm say? saying, like, who's going to win that argument? I, I'm saying, be careful. When you live in a glass house, because the team could could easily come back and start leaking some stories out that they want out. The team cannot win the argument when they had Barsha getting 14th, and now Barsha away from the team is getting a pair of thirds. They cannot win that argument. So if you're Barsha, you can just take the flamethrower out if you want. To me, that was just a little jab. If I'm so, Barsha, I'm focusing on the bike. I'm not focusing on professionalism of a team. Dude, he was one quote. Like I said, he could have gone nuts. He could have uh, okay. gone nuts in uh, any direction. Uh, listen, if hey. you're these guys, if you're frustrated, like I said, this has cost Barsha millions of dollars. His value literally has lost millions of dollars over the last three years. There's Now, we'll never know for sure. Is it really the bike or is it the team? Or as we theorized that many people are saying last week, oh, well, remember, he got so humbled you know, by not having a ride that it changed his whole outlook on life and racing. And maybe that's a factor, too. We'll never know for sure. If it really was just JGR sucked and factory Yamaha is awesome, but if you're him, if you want to say that, you can. Who, how are you gonna How are you gonna lose that argument? So I feel like, dude, they, they got off lucky. I mean, this is everything <laughs> that any rider, any rider at that level, this is the ultimate. Now he knows. Yep, wasn't me. Wasn't me. I'm good. I mean, okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. No, he, he's got that right for sure, but yeah, and, and again, I don't even know if that's true. But if you're a rider, that's—I mean, every rider blames the bike when they're struggling, correct? Yes. 
And it would be their dream to be able to have evidence to prove they were right. And Barsha has been gifted this. So to me, to just say one minor little thing like that, like, that's nothing, man. All right. Um, well, yeah. in re- I, I disagree, but that's fine. Um, yeah. Talking about Justin Barsha, the rider, though, some weird things happen at A1 a lot of times. But we're now – we got a couple of races down, and again, I'm talking about how he – you know, threw away, he was leading, he threw away third place, Seeley caught him, everyone expected Seeley to, to hold on to it, I think, and then he just regrouped, got focused, and went right right back around Seeley. Uh, uh, this guy's for real now, I think. I think this is real. Is he going to win a title? Yeah, I've been harsh you know? on Barsha through the years, for sure. I've been harsh on Barsha, and it's because of the things that I saw happening halfway through that main event. That's why I've never been totally sold. Like, even when he was a rookie and he was good, um, the way he will just you know, blow some sections, you know, completely mistime rhythms and things like that. I'm like, to me, I just don't see that thing from the guys at that super duper elite level. Like, I mean, the amount of times I've seen, you know, Filippoto, Dungy, Rawson, Tomac, Marvin, go down the list, Carmichael, Stu, Reed, just face doubles. It just never happens. Yeah. So that's why I was never fully on the, yeah, Barsha is one of those guys training. Maybe that was, too harsh on my part, but I saw him doing it again. I'm like, here it comes, here it comes. But he stopped doing it. He fixed it. Like he actually yeah. fixed it. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a rider just like almost talk himself. No, we're going to do this double right the next time. And he did it. Uh, JT, what do you think? He's for real, huh? Yeah. I mean, you got to think he's for real at this point. I mean, yeah. what else does he need to show you really? Yeah. Uh, did we all think Seeley was going to hold on to third? I did. Like I said, did we, did we all, think Seeley was I man I did <laughs> I really did but I had um I had him picked for fourth so I was <laughs> it's not fair I don't I don't have a dog in the fight but I was I was rooting for Barsha to get back around him but <laughs> I, he looks so great in the heat I mean he looked phenomenal in the heat um yeah I didn't you know Barsha's typically a guy that if he's gets out front he's very dangerous but once he starts heading backwards uh kind of doesn't seem to stop. So it was good to see a, some fight from him. And I guess, uh, I guess Cole was the, the big loser there, but, um, yeah, I would agree. I didn't see that repass coming. Pike road. Well, hey, JT. JT. Go, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I, hey, JT. Well, the reason I didn't think he'd get him back is I've got to figure, I mean, he had three or four big close calls, one on the sand with a bike totally sideways. And like I said, facing some jumps to me, I'm just like, where, where is your energy level after that? I mean, wouldn't that be a factor? Like that has to take a lot of, energy to do that. I think it does. You know, I think it does, but I think he had time to regroup also, you know, because when that all went down, he kind of went nuts when Sealy passed him, like typical Barsha. He's like, just grab a handful. And, you know, you could, you could literally see the rage in his riding. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Sealy got him. And then it was like two or three laps of Justin kind of hanging back there, not doing anything crazy. So I, th- I think that gave him a chance to get his heart rate back down and get his breathing back under control and then really focus on just trying to get his lap time down to catch him. Um, because you're, yeah, I, I would fully agree that anytime you have those close calls and you're riding that far over your head to make a move, your heart rate spikes and your, your breathing is all out of whack. Um, I think some of that too is just the main events are so long now. Uh, it gives you, it gives you time in some cases to regroup, you know, not every race was going to be 13 or 14 minutes like the outlier, but, 
21 minutes, we're not used to seeing anything that long, you know, except for last year. Blake Baggett, what is going on with Blake Baggett right now? He was okay, I thought. I mean, he wasn't was okay. spectacular, but seventh is, I mean, it's a lot better than 12th. Pike was good. Again, Pike looks Pike's good. Pike's right now. The, that track is good for Pike because he's in shape and he's gnarly and just as far as like he'll make mistakes like everybody else was out there but you know what i mean like how long do you want to ride for he'll just keep riding i feel anyways you know so um fifth place for him that's five five to start the year right yeah you got fifth at a1 right um brayden talk to brayden a little bit weed you were so excited for brayden you were so excited for brayden qualified uh only fifth fastest but he was on the board up top for a long time you were you, you in the pits you're like let's go talk to brayton ah oh, he's looking so good uh you got to take advantage of these moments man it's not like it's not like every single weekend brayton's at the top of the board or leading heats and things like that so you got to take advantage and he actually after the race said the same thing like he feels so good right now and we all know that he kind of had this strategy of entering the year with a full head of steam by racing the entire offseason um, you know, who knows of round nine or 10, if he's going to have that advantage anymore, it might actually work against him. But right now, uh, he's good. So I think he knows like, man, I got, if I'm ever going to scratch out a podium, this is my chance to do it. So he's going for it right now. And him and Vince freeze are talking in the positive <laughs> development. <laughs> him and Vince are talking. So, uh, Vince has been riding well, JT. I know you want to comment on that. He's been he's been solid. I haven't seen any real breakout stuff like last oh, year where he was leading and um, really in the mix, which I, I kind of expected from him. And maybe we'll see that at Anaheim too. Uh, but he's been he's been good and solid. He just hasn't had any real breakout moments yet. Um, but they're probably still coming. Um. So tickle still waiting on tickle, right? I think we'd all agree. Still waiting. Yeah, I, I expected more. I'll be honest. I like Brock. Um, I think everybody kind of had high hopes coming into the season. New team, new bike, new trainer, new everything. Um, and, and it's not that he's been bad. He just hasn't yeah. had any real flashes yet at all. J-Mart uh, was in the first turn with Webb. Webb crashed. J-Mart just fell off his bike. I don't think he really fell over. I think he just got uh, you know off the track a little bit. And Grant started eighth. And by the end of the main event, uh, J-Mart was two seconds back of Josh Grant. So I don't know if that's Grant or J-Mart, but I think Grant's in the tickle category for me because he got dropped in the heat. This week, you know, J-Mart catches it from way back. I just, I don't know. I think Grant's been, just been okay to start the year. You know, I don't know. I expected J-Mart to rip through the pack like that. So maybe outdoor, you know, these, these soft dirt and ruts and everything helped J-Mart because it was an outdoor setting. So Yeah, what did, uh, what did Grant end up? Ninth? Ninth. Yep. So you got two ninths. Yep. Yeah. So, so I don't think I, I agree with you. His riding hasn't been anything to to write home about. Um, but if you're sitting back and you're going into a one and you're like, hey, so we have you down for two ninths after a one in Houston. Are you okay with that? I think he would probably be okay with that. I don't think he would be excited about it. Be like, yeah, all right, I'll take it. And I don't think it's looked great. You know the the the. The eye test hasn't been that awesome, but if you just sit back and you really look at two ninths, leaving the first two rounds with all the injuries and crazy stuff that's going on, I think he'd be okay with it. What do you think of Mookie, Weege? I thought he looked less tired than last year. A little more in shape. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he was more prepared somehow. I mean, he eventually admitted. Didn't seem like uh, it. Yeah. Him. Yeah. Right. Didn't seem no, like yeah. Well, he admitted after the race. I did try and say, like, November. You know, I, I sent him a text to say, hey, if you got anything going on, let us know what it is. And I really only did that not expecting him to get back to me at all. I only did it so if he eventually showed up at a race, he or anyone in his camp could not say, you don't even, you don't even care. You don't even ask. You know, so I totally expected him to just not even get back to me. But he did a day later and said, yeah, man, I'll be glad to let you uh, know what's going on once we have it all sorted. But then he admitted what that really meant is, I've got nothing right now. I don't have any bikes, any parts. I have no program whatsoever. So that wouldn't indicate that he was any more prepared than last year. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he did. I mean, last year was spectacular in the heats and, I mean, could barely even do the mains. Uh, he would crash conveniently, so you could kind of blame the main event finish on the crash. But I think the crash was fatigue-induced. But, yeah, he was I think it was better than almost all but maybe one race last year already in this first one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. So yeah. do we think he's just doing another race and that's it? I, I can't see that. I cannot see that. It's going to be a tough situation. I would not be surprised at all. Um, I know that after Anaheim won, uh, some of the Suzuki brass said to JGR, like, let's get some more Suzukis out there. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they – keep this rolling, get another bike on the track, even well, if Bogle comes back. Also, too, like, Mookie's popular with fans. He, people like him. People want to see him. Maybe just to ask him where James is. I don't know. But but he's also <laughs> a, he's positive, like, that way. You know what I mean? For your team mm-hmm. exposure. So, yep. Um, well, he is, but it ha- how's that working out? Like, for whatever reason, no, he's I know. gone two, yeah, three no, years without no. having a ride. So I'm confused. Well, like, teams say they want that kind of stuff, but then mean, they don't actually There's a lot of cu- There's a lot of curious decisions made in Camp Mookie. In my opinion, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and I like Mookie. He's coming on the Pulp Show tonight. So exciting, exciting news for that. Um, okay, so uh, Cooper Webb panic button, no clutch. He said uh, he Instagrammed out that he had no clutch after that crash. Yeah, I don't think you can hit panic button if you're 20 seconds behind last place on the first lap. That, that's my opinion. It hasn't been good. I'm not saying anything's going well, but I don't think you can. On, at round two, when you're literally half a track behind the last place guy on the first lap, I don't think you can really draw any hard conclusions from that. Yeah, I think I'm with you. He got still got 12 too. Not like he kept. Yep. kept yeah, it wasn't the end of the world. Right, I just right. I don't think you can take anything away from that when that race. And I don't know about the clutch lever. That's what he said. I'm sure that's probably true. I just know where he was on the racetrack compared to everybody. And yeah, you're not going to know anything with that situation. Not a good start though. Not no, a good fair. start. Yeah, that's fair. Oh boy. Um. Chad Reed, I really didn't even notice Chad. Seriously, all day. I was watching that um, one. Shocker. Uh, in the main event, he was further up than I expected. Like he got a decent start. It, he had no rear brake, I saw. Uh, I think Ellie posted that. Um, you know, the, the biggest challenge I think he faces, and I have spoken about this a couple times is that he can't ride he can't ride during the week you know he spent last week uh going to red bull facility and doing rehab you know and they're using lasers and all kinds of stuff to try to get inflammation out and break scar tissue i would i would assume i'm not a doctor but i would assume but none of that involves practicing or testing or training or any of that so 
for him to make big strides forward, he's not even taking the steps he needs to really take big strides forward as far as his riding or the motorcycle or anything. So I don't think we're going to see huge improvements anytime soon, at least for a month or so. Congrats to Henry Miller for making his first uh, main event. Uh, ben LeMay was good again. Ben LeMay was he good. Was. He was uh, 15th. He was jumping that triple that only a few yep. guys were doing. I don't think it was faster, but the fact that he was doing it was cool. Um, can, we talk about, uh, can we talk about Paul Telly? Well, I was going to talk about Tedder, but that, that, that all works together anyway, so go ahead. Well, Paul Telly crashes in the heat, and I thought for sure he blew his knee out. I mean, he, he was, couldn't move. He was crawling like he, he was dragging himself <laughs> like a, you know an injured soldier, like Jacksonville with RV and, and Gerky. <laughs> I mean, he was dragging himself like you know it was basically like his leg was blown off, and someone was pulling his corpse out of the way. Right. And then all of a sudden, so I'm like, "Well, he's done. Like that sucks. He looks like he's seriously hurt here." Yeah. Comes out and he whole shots the LCQ and he wins it. No problem. I'm like, oh, well, wow. Like, He's good. What a comeback. Good for yeah, him. Like, yeah. into the main event. That's a hell of a turnaround. And then he doesn't ride the main event. So, what the hell is going on with that? I think he wrote a lap. Did he not? He wrote a lap. I think. I don't know. I didn't see him out there at all. So maybe he did and I just didn't see him. But still, what the hell with that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, do you do you have a thirty minute thing before you realize that you could be um, you have something seriously wrong? No, he was like dead on the track. No, I know, but I'm saying like like so he he he, he got rejuvenated for the LCQ and then the pain set in. No. Thirty minutes later, <laughs> no, that that uh you know buzzer dragging him towards the tough walks. Right. That would that he was in a lot of pain. He, then, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he had a dead leg or something. Or yeah, I, no, no, he did. Uh, he did two laps. He 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 came around lap one and fifteenth. Were they in, were they consecutive laps? Yeah, he came around lap one and fifteenth, then twenty first, and then gone. Okay, because I was almost positive that I was behind him trying to buy a hot dog at the halfway point of the main event. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. C- can we talk about Dakota Tedder? He endos in the whoops pretty good. Yeah, it was a good one. Gets up, electric start, starts his bike up. Passes Tyler Entignap back, by the way, and Tyler Entignap. Uh, broken leg while in qualifying spot in Vegas. Passed with a two turns to go in San Diego. Has never made a 450 main event. And has now had three, at least three heartbreaks for getting in. Bro! And um, uh, and Entignap, uh, Tedder goes over the bars. You know his bike's probably bent up. You know he's the blood is rushing everywhere. His heart rate is probably 210. And he... he collects himself and passes Tyler back and gets gets into the main event. I mean, Weege, this is what we talked about. So this week, coming up this week is the Triple Crown, and the fans are not going to see these LCQs, and it is such a perfect opportunity to put the, at least a 450 LCQ to start the night. Yeah, I feel unfair speaking to not hear someone at Feld or the AMA or FIM to explain why they're not. I mean, maybe there's a logical reason we're not aware of. But the LCQ, this is the perfect the perfect scenario for Supercross. I mean, I think really we know that this three-main event thing, maybe there's a side effect we're not realizing. Maybe it's confusing or something. But until we see it, I think right now everybody knows that this is probably a better way to run the races. And... To have an LCQ be the first race of the night is also a better situation than where it currently sits right in the middle. And how long does the race take? It's it's four minutes and one lap or three minutes and one lap. So 
The it, total amount of time this would add to the show, from like lining them up in the gate to interviewing them and getting them back, is probably eight minutes or nine minutes. Uh, you can't tell me that they can't find eight minutes on the show. Plus, a couple other advantages. The show comes on live. What a great way for Ralph and Jeff to explain it. Before we even race tonight, we're yeah. going to have a death match. Right. Four privateers are going to get in, and everybody else is done. And yeah. if there's a live college basketball game that goes over, sorry, privateers, but at least the part that's going to get rolled over and not seen is the Enignat brothers and Tedder, which if you're the promoter of the race, you'd way rather have that than, you know, Dungey just, not being seen on it just, TV. It's a win-win-win yeah. to me. And you just play, yeah. play the New Jersey LCQ and be, do you want to see this? Do you folks want to see this from last year? Well, right. So Tedder gave us the great audition for Absolutely. the LCQ to still be in the night show. I flipped and I made it in. It's, it's incredible. And right. He crashed in the exact same spot Marvin did. So what a great story to tell her. Like, at the elite level, these guys are going to ride when things are A-OK, even with the title online. But these privateers are insane. They don't care. <laughs> they will crash where Marvin does in the same spot. But he will get up because he does not care because he's a bloodthirsty animal looking for purse money. What a great story. <laughs> there's, and they're not going to show it. I, I just, yeah, I mean, again, maybe there's some reasons. But start it off with the 450 LCQ, right, JT? You, it's yeah, great. I think the only thing they're looking at, and I haven't asked anybody this, but I would assume – is that it's just confusing to the average person. Um, I, if they went into depth or they had time to really explain things, maybe that changes. I think they're just worried about wh- who are these guys again and why are they racing and how did this work? Well, why are they at the first race? What's the difference between a, a normal show? You know, who is this? Well, what is this? Uh, how do these guys got to race to get into a main event? I mean, if you're that, well, it's if you're totally that different than anything we've ever done for a normal Supercross, I think that's but if why you're, it's different. If you're that clueless, you wouldn't understand a normal main event or a normal night show either you're like what wait uh is an lcq there's heat like if you're that you know if you're saying it's confusing then you must be i'm not saying you're wrong i just i would bet you that if they if you brought it up that's what they're scared of it's uh it's entertainment people gotta do it but props to tedder props to Politelli too i mean i guess right he didn't make it but but good job the the you know yeah to come through and and win so uh anything that was two for two by the way uh, out of the heats into the main event, so um, yeah, that's. I think it's going to get better too because with these guys getting hurt, I mean, there's. If you looked at the main event this weekend, it looked like mid-season form. I mean, Cat and Zero was in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just had that feel to it. Oh, if I'm the folks that failed, I'm 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 suicidal right now. I'm just Very like, nervous. holy smokes, this couldn't. Yep. You know, but uh, yeah, hey. Um, all right, uh, we're taking a commercial break here. We're late already. Um, we'll just recap the two videos as much as we can. Take a commercial break here. Flyracing.com, uh, RacerX Podcast, Houston Wrap Up. Listen to this commercial from folks at Racetech and use the code to save if you need some suspension or, or engine work. And we'll be right back to talk 250s. Racetech suspension and engines, people. Pulpamex 18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Racetech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Racetech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Racetech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpamex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, Racetech.com. Do it. 
Texas Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. And we're back. FlyRacing.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Alpine Star Protects and Maxxis Tires. Thanks to those guys for coming on board. Jeremy McGrath uses Maxxis. By the way, how skinny is McGrath right now? Did you guys see him in A1? I don't know if he's doing triathlons. Yeah, Holy smokes. He's turning into that. He's turning into like that. I mean, you see these guys on like, uh, you know, when they're selling the Nordic track at 7 in the morning on some infomercial. Yeah. Where he like has 18-year-old body and 48-year-old face. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, turning he's, into that. He looks old when you look at him, but he's looking more ripped than he ever has. I just felt like grabbing some of my belly and being like, you want some fat? You need some fat? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, yeah. 250s. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Plessinger, but the best part for me was the head of Suzuki Racing, Chris Wheeler, oh. deciding, much to his regret, <laughs> I bet, deciding to pull up a chair next to us for the entire night show while I get Yes, and Wheeler, he's a great guy, and, and he laughs, and he's fun, and he's not super corporate like a lot of these dudes who just, like, some people we know in the industry that if you dare say anything about the company they work for, they will shoot you and consider it to be legal. Who are you talking names, about, Weech? N- names will be withheld here. Just, yeah, we're, not, we're yeah. not mentioning any names, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, like, he laughed, and, you know, he knows what you said on the podcast for the preview. He's aware that you basically shit on Suzuki. Um, Stop it! But, I did uh, not. No, I believe uh, you did. Correct the two fifty F. I shit on the two fifty F. Okay, all right. Yeah. I'm sure they're fine with that. Okay, but he so brutally honest at Anaheim one said, "Well, we haven't had any races yet, so we don't know. Like, what are we going to say? Like, we haven't proved him wrong yet." Which is not the mindset you would get from most team people. No, no. But but uh, even as cool and honest and straightforward as he is, he should have known better than to sit next to you during a race. <laughs> Well, it Justin, couldn't have really gone much worse. Uh, at times, we looked over and he had—he was covering everything but his eyes with his hands. It was like yeah. it, was, it was like a horror movie where he could only look through the little tiny slit in his hands. Because um, Justin Hill was not good again. Uh, qualified fast as Anaheim won. Didn't have a great main, and this weekend JT didn't qualify well. Didn't ride well in the main. Got a tenth. He looked bad all day. And I'm, that's fine if he wants to tell me I'm an a-hole or whatever, but he looked bad all day, all night. I never saw him really have anything close to what he had in practice at A1. So I don't know if it was a bad day. I don't know if what was going on, but he was certainly not anywhere near the realm of what he's capable of. After qualifying, I asked J-Bone, is something wrong? And J-Bone's like, no, he's fine. He didn't look fine. I'm like, okay. All right, I just moved on. Just went on, kept kept grabbing some food or something. So, um yeah, two races in. It's not very good right now, and uh, we let Wheeler know that, by the way. Um, well, he was exceptionally bad in the whoops, and that's what Wheeler was really lamenting. Like, there were times you just hear him say, what? He cannot go through these whoops. What is wrong? So, J-Bone's either theory or fact at the end. Hill did crash in the whoops in practice. So, he said, yeah, he was never the same in the whoops after that crash. Now, I don't know if that's what Hill actually said or if that's what they figure, mm-hmm. but for sure, he did crash in the whoops, and for sure, he was not good in the whoops after that. No. no. Wheeler's never going to sit by us again. <laughs> no. And by the way, can we no, talk? The, oh. It was pretty funny, though. We, we, we were twisting the knife as much as we could. I think we even threw in a couple of Barsha 
Yeah, they yeah, I think we did. Yeah, I think, yep. we, I think we did too. Yeah, we got the whole the whole thing. Um, uh, I'm realizing Galdi said it last week. I, I this is just normal to us, but I'm realizing that sitting next to us in the press box is 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 like watching the lions eat. During lunchtime at the zoo, I had not realized this, but I'm slowly beginning to put this together. Maybe I don't know, but I mean, uh, look, we're two rounds down, JT, but uh, Hill is um, 20 points back with a ton of dudes to jump. He ain't defending this title. No, I don't. Uh, from what I saw this weekend, that's yeah. We can just no. throw that out. Yeah, uh, he wasn't even even close to the speed to even be in on the podium, let alone defending a title. And so many dudes to jump too. On top of that, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, the pace and the depth at the top is, I mean, yeah, yeah they're, they were on a different level than him this weekend. Uh, Phil got 12th, though. Phil's got some broken, talking about sticking with the JGR guys. Uh, Phil got 12th, so. He had a rough day again. Yeah. Main event was okay, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he's just, like, he's a gamer. He geez, was, every time you look up and you're just like, please don't be Phil, when you see yellow flags, please don't be Phil. He, uh, he was the number one pick in Pulp Mex Fantasy. He got the most points, though. Yep. Um... Okay, so let's move on. Um, Plessinger. Holy shit, Weege. Like, I looked up and he was probably about... Oh, I need to pull up a lap chart, but... I looked up, he was probably like 10th. Just kind of 10th. Just like, you're like, oh, okay. Plessinger's done. You know, like... And he he got he was going blazing through the whoops. He was wheel tapping the one rhythm after the first turn. Uh, Aaron Plessinger was amazing. And this is what we... This is what we talked about in our previews, where I'm. He can go so fast sometimes. You're like, why can't you do that all the time? Yeah, done is the exact words that ran through exact word that ran through my mind. Not just starting tenth, but I think maybe you say three laps in. Those guys up front were raging, and you're like, oh, it is on. You got Savachi, AC, and McElrath. Like this is going to be intense. And then I look back a straightaway and a half behind that, and I. Remember to look for Plessinger, and I see him in a distant, distant seventh. And there's no one even in front of him. So it's not like he's battling with anyone. He's just all by himself. And I'm like, yeah, he's done. Like, that sucks for Plessinger. Bad start. He is not going to be in contention, and that's going to suck for his title hopes. Never, ever, 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 ever did I figure he was going to win that race because those three guys were going good. And he just yarded them. I thought Savachi was going to win. Then I thought Makarov was going to win. No, I think I thought McElroth was going to win first. Then I said, no, Savachi's got this. Then I thought AC was going to win. And never did I think one second that Aaron Plessinger was going to win. Like, oh, was, poor AC. Oh, dude. God, poor AC. He's just pushing it, huh, JT? Like, just pushing it. Just <sighs> Yeah, well, you know? the first one, he basically locked up his, his front brake because he was going to run into Joey. Joey, like, closed the turnout on him. Yeah. To to protect the line and Adam, you know, it's his teammate for one, and they probably would have went both went down. So he walked up the brakes and kind of high sided over him without hitting him on the first one. And then after that, he just pretty much put, hit the panic button, and then he crashed twice in the same corner, uh, two laps in a row, I think. So no, I think he crashed three times. Yeah, he crashed three times total. I thought he just yeah, he crashed twice. the first time. Yeah, over Joey on the right in the right hander, and he looped out. Wait. And then he got up and then he crashed again. Looped out? Yeah, he looped out before the triple. You didn't see that? No, I don't think so. I saw the, the left hand push of the front end, the right hand lock up the front brake. Well, the one he looped out, he got in the rut and then just 
I mean, he just grabbed a handful. It's on his Instagram. There's a picture of it. But, I mean, oh. he, just looped, he just shot the bike out from under him, basically, oh. wide open. So, talk about crashing three times in a main event and still getting seventh. It's actually kind of fortunate. It's, I think he got ninth. Uh, I thought he... No, seventh. No, he got it. He was fifth after the loop out, and then he went to seventh. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he so, cra- yeah, he yeah. crashed. The second time was panic. I think trying to. I think he felt like he could still win the thing, and then yeah. the last time was just I just yeah. mental mistake. Ah, uh, but Plessinger is just that is to rip through those guys from tenth on the first lap. I just checked. That's that's the Aaron Plessinger that we see sometimes. Sometimes we see that and. I think at lap 12 or something, he was over a second better than faster than anybody else on the track. He was killing those guys in the whoops, <laughs> killing them. I mean, everywhere else he was good, but not well, the, not really better, I don't think. Well, the rhythm, the wheel tab rhythm was good. Yeah, I mean, but it wasn't it wasn't a huge difference. He's not going to come from way back behind yeah, him right. just because of that. Like, the whoops, he was just destroying those guys. So it's super dangerous to make wacko predictions. Why again after two races? Um, you talking about two now? What? Wacko? Wacko oh, prediction? Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, do, is Plessinger now your pick? Is it, did anybody change their minds after this? Uh, no, only because we've seen it before. And I think to defend him a little bit on the inconsistency, he has a particular set of skills that makes him a nightmare <laughs> for people to deal with in certain conditions. I mean, when it's rutted and he can use the long legs and ding, 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 that sweet GNCC experience, oh, you know, is near and dear to my heart. He has a certain set of skills that, in certain conditions, he's unbelievable. But it's not fair when that the is, track doesn't have those conditions to say, "What's wrong with this guy? Why can't he do it again?" That well, is those, true. You're right. That is true. Th- those conditions are not always there, and then when they are there, he's, you know, right in the mix and as good as everyone else. But no, I can't say that just because he came from seventh to first. Uh, in this race, tenth, tenth to first. Uh, that that means tenth to first. Well, yeah, tenth. But I don't think that really okay. tenth to first doesn't really sell it the way it was. It was just when well, you see a guy two or three laps in, we've seen a million of these races. You see a guy two or three laps in that far behind, you just know they're done. You know, a guy can start tenth. Marvin probably started tenth last week in uh, Anaheim. Probably did, but he was in the mix. But when you see a guy when the pack stretched out and he's at the back of it. Damn it all. But, no, unfortunately, that doesn't mean to me, like, oh, yeah, he's now the fave. He's just as good as he always was, and so is everybody else. Um, Savachi got second, and he led pretty much the whole race, and I expected him to be a little pissed off, and he was not, JT. He's like, yep, I threw away a lot of things. I threw away a lot of wins last year for reasons that I didn't need to do, and I'm working on that, and this second is fine. Aaron was great. So a little different attitude. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a decent race. I, I think he just realized that, you know, last year he made stupid mistakes when he was wanting to win at all costs, and I don't think he really had anything for Plessinger, Plessinger however we want to say it. Uh, so he just got to take – sometimes you just got to take a second, you know, and, and that sounds crazy, but he's got smart people, and he's lost two titles in a row by a point or two. So I think he's realizing like, Hey, when it's there, I got to take it. When it's not, I'll take a second. But what I can't do is crash because I'm too frustrated and get sixth. So it was smart. I can't do, I can't pull it out. Adams and Cirillo basically. No, that's exactly the thing. You can't do that. You know, like the, the crazy stuff that went on in New Jersey with him, you can't do that stuff. Like that's what will kill your title. Uh, Chase Sexton 
Good. He, he was, was good. Really good. He was pissed last week when I talked to him because he didn't podium and he started well. And I'm like, ah, it's your first race, bro. Calm down. Well, that's why. Because he knew he could podium. And he did. Uh, I was a little surprised at McElrath. Why get little surprised with Shane? Yeah, I was too. I mean, we know he's good and he won the race last week. Yep. So you just wouldn't expect him to potentially be in position to win the race and end up finishing fourth. But if we're going to spend so much of the time on this show talking about AC crashing and Eli crashing and Marvin crashing, this track was tough and everybody talked about how gnarly and sketchy it was because it was breaking down. I guess you have to give a guy a free pass mm-hmm. when he takes fourth and just says, this is a sketchy track, I'm just taking fourth. Yep. Just kind of we're saying with Savachi, like, yep. I, I can't hammer on him that bad. We just started the show talking about two guys getting hurt and being done. No, I'm not saying we're hammering. No one's hammering on him. No one's hammering on him. Calm down. Um, well, I mean, he's battling for the lead. He finished fourth. It's very easy to say, like, oh, man, that was yours. But uh, Craig still standing. Craig was Craig's got a, an ankle that looks pretty gnarly. It's like Franken ankle, and uh, he uh, he said the whoops were you know obviously they broke down so much that there goes his advantage a little bit. So fifth for him on an injured ankle was okay. Oldenburg is the guy that has zero results for how good he looks. I mean he got six. Uh, that's not a zero result, but you know what I mean, JT. Like Oldenburg. Yeah, he's a uh, man. He's kind of a show pony in practice, right? Yeah. Like, I don't think there's been one person I've talked to that I trust their opinion on really on Saturday that hasn't watched practice the first two weekends. And like, man, Oldenburg might win this thing. Yep. So yep. you got to think it's coming when you're, when you have the speed like that, but it just hasn't shown up yet in the main event. Mitchell Harrison's off to a rough start too. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Um, yeah. He, 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 he ate crap again in the yep. qualifier. Yeah. Uh, Taft was good. Taft was really good, especially in the heat. Taff was going to heat. Um, what else? Uh, do, 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 Julio Zambrano is an awesome name. Jean Carlos Ramos. Two weeks through the, through the LCQ. Um, what else? Anything else 250 wise? Everybody? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Do we do we want to update our our title picks? Well. AC is twelve down, but I'm okay. I'm sticking with him. Sticking with him. I took Joey. I think right. I don't pretty know. Sure I took, pretty sure I took Joey. You did. No, it was a good yeah. call. Yeah. Uh, and so you guys want to update him or? Uh, I'm going to stick with Joey. I like I like where his head's at. He may not be the fastest guy from what I've seen. You know, four two, mm-hmm. and really. Uh, didn't have the speed to be really better than either of those finishes on that day. Uh-huh. But I just think it's his time, just like Zach last year. I think they have he has maturity, and he's been so close so many times. I think he's just going to find a way to do it. Even though if he doesn't win a lot of rounds, a la Tim Ferry, I think he's going to be there at the end. Is anybody sticking with um, Tomac? <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> anybody? Think- my my three-year streak is over. Oh, yeah, true. You had a streak going. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um Weege, you gonna stick with Tomac? Uh, yeah, dude, that's my rule. You, you can't. That's not fair. You can't change. I'm not gonna change. I just know I'm. I know I'm done. That's all. Like it's game over. Can Anderson just go on a roll here? Can Anderson just go on a roll here? I think he can. God, he looks good. I feel like there's something different about him. Doesn't it seem? Doesn't seem something different. The like a new level of like the calm maturity. Untouched. Well, the jersey. That's what, yeah, that's what we were talking about at the beginning, right? He he looked. If if that was him being patient, 
and there wasn't something going on where he just didn't feel good or whatever, if it was truly patience, those guys are in for a serious problem. Uh, by the way, uh, I think I'm in for a serious problem with uh, Alden Baker next time I see him. <laughs> I like Love Alden. It. Him and I get along well. We get along well. I like yeah. Alden. I just haven't ran into him. But, you know, I'm not the guy that started the Mookie uh, Anderson or Mookie Malcolm or Moosecan Anderson thing not getting along, but uh, uh, we he's very adamant about this is all just made up. Oh yeah, really mad, really mad. And I um, I talked to him extensively, talked to Bobby Hewitt extensively, talked to Anderson extensively, and I said to them like, look, man, if you guys think that we just make stuff up, why did why did we never say anything like this? the last eight years or whatnot. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. the proof that we don't just go off of making things up is that we could have said this with Roxton and RV or Dunge yeah. or whoever. Yeah. yeah. We just all got together uh, for the season and decided this is what we're going to say. We just all got together and we're like, okay, all right, let's plant yeah. this, plant yeah. this thing in, you know, like, come on. So they did figure, they did try to figure out why things might seem different now. And there's two things. A, they have multiple tracks and multiple things going. You have Rattray with the TLD guys. And I think Dino, so now they have the option of having guys ride separately, which they didn't even, they're saying they never had that option before. Second of all, once you bring in a whole another group, essentially rat trade guys, there's just more eyeballs down there, which leads to more, hey, I heard something happened on that track over there. And that was never the case before. It was literally like there were five human beings down there on one track, everyone watching the same thing. So they think that's part of the reason that maybe some of this got out but i was glad to hear that i'm like yes that's what i'm saying like we didn't make it up i heard multiple people now that's heard multiple people now maybe those people are all wrong and saw the wrong things yeah but you hear it from now they you, are you hear it from people on each of the teams you hear it from yeah. other people that are supported by that team by that oems you hear it from sponsors you know yep and we have yeah, now they those people could all be wrong like yeah, it's yeah. possible for yeah. someone to see something out of the corner of their eye and then be like dude i heard something happening oh really i heard and then that person tells somebody, and that. But the point is that there's more people at the Baker's factory than ever, and I guess that's leading to, you know, people getting the wrong info or the game of telephone, so to speak. But boy, was he adamant. Uh, Alden's a super nice guy, as we all know, but he was not happy. Well, as JT said, Anderson and Marvin are not riding together. But there is here is the fundamental difference. There's a big difference between not riding together and not getting along with each other and they are getting along fine but every adamant about but every other year of baker's programs everybody rode together they had two tracks rv had two tracks at his place forever you know they were close by they were within you know 100 yards of each other but uh, i defended us with every angle i had and i used that one and they were like well with roxon and and ryan you're talking about a rookie and a multi-time champ at that point so yes you can put them together but now we have two guys that are on the exact same plane of their careers. It's not Dunge, defending champ. Marvin and Jason are so close. They're doing the same thing at the same time. It's the same goal. Well, they were same la- level. They were last year. They were last year also. And I would hope that Marvin Anderson weren't just like, oh, we can't beat Dungey. Because we saw Dungey very, very human last year. His yeah, worst- but there's also he's also he's also the two time defending champ going into the season and I mean, he's one of the best racers of all time, you know, just numbers-wise and, and opinion-wise for me, too. There's still a – I think there's still a difference from year to year. And they're and the way they're approaching the season, they kind of know Ryan's still the number one, and he's Alden's number one. I think this year was different. It's only natural when you take the assumed number one out 
and now you've got two guys that are vying to be the alpha dog, there's going to be tension. I just think that's human nature. And, you know, if Alden's mad, I, I get it, whatever. But I, I think it's normal to assume that and believe it. We've got a lot of history backing us up. There's tension right. between yeah, two. And it's just human nature. That's just how people work. That You're talking about people that are racing for the premier motorcycle championship in the world, in my opinion. Okay, MotoGP or whatever, but Supercross is a big deal. And for these two to go into the season knowing that this is their shot, this is the best shot both of them have ever had to win a title going in, going into the season. They have to know that. I think that's going to create some tensions that maybe weren't there before. That's just, mm-hmm. that's my opinion. I, you know, I don't have any evidence. I'm not there, but I think anyone looking at it objectively in a vacuum that you love, I know, oh. neither of these guys are partying in Temecula. Oh, well, definitely. maybe Anderson is a little bit, definitely. but. Uh, I think that's just normal to look at it that way. All right. Alden said he has a, he he wanted to send me a photo of Anderson spotting Marvin doing a squat to prove that they're doing all the training together and getting along. But he's like, I don't, you know. Then that then it becomes a back and forth, and you're just adding adding more to this supposed I want to see a photo of him doing do a squat that. this week yeah. with that shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now he's like, man, you guys know you can always call me if you if you hear any of this stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you're Alden Baker, you're a very busy guy. So now you made a mistake because now you're uh, going to get more phone calls, which is probably not what you really needed. Yeah, yeah, really right. No, he's been yeah. a pretty straight-up guy. Uh, you know, when I've talked to him off the record, on the record, you know what I mean, before. So, um, <clears throat> well, right. I think this is, this is really funny, by the way. And I said, look, and it was uh, – they specifically screenshotted something you put in observations, which was one sentence that said uh, they're not getting along or friction or something like that. It was one sentence, right? Mm-hmm. But I said, look, I know you're mad at me because the RacerX website is my deal, and it's on me to make sure that you know, what we report is accurate. However, Steve is right a lot. People might not even agree with what he says. But, heck, this week he knew Malcolm Stewart was going to get a JGR ride before anyone else did, and it did happen. So I have reason to trust him, and you really enjoy this. Alden's like, oh, I know. I've had to defend him a lot. <laughs> yes, he has. Him and Osborne have really been pushing. They wave the Mathis flag, and it it gets shot down apparently all the time. It does not ever stand. Uh, but uh, they have had to do that. So, well, we'll see. Uh, I'm interested if Marv can get back on the track. If they get, if and if Marvin Anderson get into a battle for the lead, I don't think one of the guys is treating the other guy as nicely. We'll see though. Well, maybe we're wrong. So, I firmly believe Anderson would treat him just like anybody else, as aggressively as anybody else. That's just my opinion. I agree. I agree. He never did it with Dunge. I I feel like it's different. Did he ever, you know, catch and pass Dunge that often? Not really. I just I just think they he look, they looked at Dunge different. It's it's impossible mm-hmm. for those guys to be yep. younger. You know, they're sev- they're I don't want to say several, but. Marvin's, I guess, the same age, but when you look at Dungey's accomplishments and his pecking order and hierarchy, I don't think they look at each other the same way they looked at Dungey. And I could be totally wrong in that. It's just my opinion. When you have a guy that's won that many titles in that many races, I just think it's it creates a different situation, even if it's subconsciously. Anderson, I don't think you, Anderson and Barsha are the two guys that are really trying to change the narrative about them right now with, every, with the media and with fans. Mm-hmm. They're really trying hard. And that's fine. That's cool. Great. You know? uh, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because in, in these, I mean, man, I spent a lot of time talking to people about Anderson this weekend, and uh, Anderson had to pass Barsha for second last week, and everybody around the world is like, oh, here we go. These two, 
Mm-hmm. And Anderson never touched him, and Barsha never did anything dirty to try to get him back. And Bobby Hewitt said he's like, I mean, that's what we keep telling Jason to do. You know, don't rush it, don't rush it, don't get dirty, don't do any of that. And he did not. So they yeah. took that as a sign of, like, he's learning to be patient. He's learning to avoid, like, kind of like you said almost, change this narrative. Like, you don't – you got eight laps to get Barsha or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. You don't have to torpedo him in the first shot. And Barsha also right. not doing it. Again, and so Anderson is not a fan of mine for writing about his dumb mistakes and dumb decisions on the track, um, which exactly sounds like Bobby Hewitt. Is it saying you stop doing that? Stop doing that. And he is. And, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just like, wait, 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 wait. So the guy that like me, the guy that's saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to people? Just pass them normally, you know, and now, you know, anyway. So um, before we, it's just, it's so ridiculous. Uh, all right. Before we go, um, just, I was watching the TV. Anything else, by the way, anything else for you too? I just, I want to just say something. I'm good. Before we go. Please go ahead. Watching the TV show last night, watching Ralph and Jeff. I like Ralph. I like Jeff. They're good guys. Good at their jobs. Most Is this going to be where you say, with all due respect? With, right all, it? with all due respect. They're Barsh is. Oh, it's got to breathe a little bit. Um, Barsh is on the screen, and Ralph is like. You know, what is the difference with Justin Barsha here, Jeff? What is the difference? And Jeff goes, it's just confidence, Ralph. It's just confidence. And he's not wrong. Okay, he's not, because Justin has more confidence. But the door was wide open. I want to hear about the 18 Yamaha changes. He is wrong, though. It's not just confidence. Well, okay, yeah, not just. You're right. Yeah, just. I don't know. If, maybe he didn't say just. Maybe he said confidence. If he did, that's I wrong. don't know. I don't know. It might. He might. I think he did say just confidence. I want to hear, you know, we didn't have much success on the JGR Yamaha, but this is a new bike. These are new technicians. Uh, Justin uh, is trying some things out. I had a good conversation with Bob Oliver at Yamaha myself in the afternoon. I'm going to write about it in my column. But it's just confidence. So... You go back to Justin's early years at JGR on the Yamaha, he had just as much confidence probably back then before sort of injuries struck and everything else. It's just like, I just want more. I want more. I want, I want to hear about the bike, the 18 bike Yamaha is very proud of. Uh, the changes they've made to the frame, the changes they've made to the structure of the frame, and the different cross members and everything else, they're very stoked on the way it handles, the way it works, the way it reacts to the horsepower that they have. They have a bit more horsepower, a bit more hit than other bikes, and that was some of the issues with frame flexing and, and the way the bike handles, and this 18 fixes that. And Yamaha, and Justin was on a Yamaha, Ralph, and it didn't work for him. But here's why this Yamaha may work, and this team does things a little different, maybe, Ralph, than the guys at JGR, and and, and, and the bike is working very well, and, and, and Justin didn't have a ride, and he's a little desperate, maybe, Ralph, and, you know, and he's a little more humbled. And, and Instead, I got, it's just confidence. It's just confidence, Ralph. That's what I got. And I'm sorry, I want more. I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, there's such an opening here to go into this Barsha. This two, through two races, Barsha might be the most fascinating topic here. Uh, the changes he's made and the speed he's gotten with two straight thirds. And instead, why get? I got just confidence. It's an industry wide problem um, where, nope. We, nope. you know, all of us are even somewhat guilty. So much of the analysis of this sport is just 
who wants it and who's motivated and who's fired up and will to win and all this stuff. And as I always say, meanwhile, meanwhile, four days a week, these teams and trainers and riders are at the track, and you know they're working on something. Now, both of you guys actually lived it. Like, they're working on something. Uh, JT, I'm going to assume in all the days you spent down there at Chad's place in Florida with you, him, and all the other guys that rode there, they were not just working on doing motos. Like, there had to be times where they are like, I sucked in the 180 bowl berms this weekend. I'm going to work on that. That does happen, right? All the time. Right. So there is way more out there that we're not getting and we're not reporting on where I think for the entire media industry, whatever, is somewhat guilty. Now, the teams are super secretive about these things, but you can get more info than that. I mean, yes, I talked to Jimmy Perry. He did say that, yeah, the old Yamaha hit really hard. This power is a lot smoother. The bike is more nimble. And if I really needed it, I'm sure I could have just kept pressing and pressing and getting more. So it is unfortunate that you can read Sports Illustrated, and these are higher-profile athletes with more money on the line. It's more dangerous to let these secrets out. But you can read what Kevin Love did in the offseason with his trainer, what parts of his game he worked on, and what exercises they did to improve that part of his game. Uh, And, again, I I can only say so much because I would certainly be somewhat guilty, too. I'm in the media. I could do more. But uh, just saying his confidence is not enough, I agree. The the opening to talk about Barsha was so big and huge, and I just got a confidence. That's all. Two questions here. Two questions. The biggest, most glaring examples that I can come up with. If this were the NFL and that were Tony Romo, what would have happened? Oh, ruined. Tony would have given you some ruined. of the best insight you've ever heard, right? Oh, I was if, this, if he had only said confidence, he would have been ruined. Yeah, yeah exactly. No, I'm yeah. saying if that opening that Steve's talking about was there yeah. and, and fed up to him, Tony Romo would exploit it and give you some of the best insight you've ever you know, heard analysis, right? Same thing. And And... This isn't. I'm not trying to criticize Fro here because I know he knows. I've t- I've heard him give opinions and talk super high level moto, um, you know, technique and stuff with friends of mine. I mean, like really, really high level stuff that I don't think the average person would even really understand. I don't want to say understand because that that's kind of talking down to people, but I don't, I don't think they would fully get because it's such a high level of riding past you know the normal riding. Um, kind of techniques, but it, even if GL, if you were if you were doing the outdoors and you were with Grant Langston and that was there and you were, I don't, I I think you would get much much more from GL. And just like Steve's frustrated, I'm frustrated too because it's not like Fro doesn't know it. It's not like he is incapable of coming up with reasons why or understanding the concepts of why he could be better. He just won't share it, and I don't get it. I don't know why. The real problem is. Uh, to me, the reason I care about this, and I didn't even bring it up, but the reason it always frustrates me is because you're trying to sell the sport. That's what these three-hour TV shows are for. That's what everything we do is for. We're trying to keep people engaged and interested from the website I run to the radio show you do to the TV show. You want the fans to not get bored, to be interested. And there are golden opportunities to let the people at home say, huh, wow, interesting. Didn't know that. That's cool. I'm going to keep paying attention and keep studying. And that's that's what makes the world go round. And to me, you just are missing an opportunity when you say confidence, which is the worst term ever because people can't see it. You don't know what it means. It's an esoteric, intangible term. It's, it's a big miss in that situation. I just, I, I, I just, I, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, uh, there's so much to talk about with Justin Barsha. There's so much there. He's on a Yamaha. He's killing it. He didn't like the he Yamaha. Was- 
Fro was one of the first person to ever like quote unquote find Justin Barsha when he was on an eighty at Southwick. He got him wearing the you know Fro's gear of choice. You know, I just I don't get it. Like he has so much background and inside info with Barsha, it's just mind blowing to me. Right. So if you have the you know, uninitiated audience at home and you even just say, look, man, I, I talked to him and he just seems so much happier and he's engaged and you talk to his mom and she's had like, that's a really interesting human element to the story. Even if you don't have technical bike terms, it's just a- anything you want to throw in there or he's motivated because he lost his job. That's another thing that people can really hook onto and be like, wow, I'm going to root for that guy. So that's the part that disappoints me. It's just, I just want more, man. And I like Jeff and I like Ralph and I just, I just shook my head. I'm like, holy shit. There's just such a missed opportunity here. But you know what? In one way, it makes these pods more popular. People are actually getting that kind of stuff. So I don't know. So yay for us, I guess. It's ridiculous. Okay. Now all of us can expect uh, Aldenbaker and Jeff Emig to be looking for us today too. Yes, I'll just add. I'll add them to the list for me. I'll just, just. I I got a big list on my phone of people I got to walk around. Okay. um, Anything else? Triple Crown this weekend. I'm excited. That'll be good. Gonna be good. Can we talk about the inside gate, or do you want to save that for my observations? Yeah, save that for that because I don't think without seeing it, you could really get it. Unbelievable. Okay. This podcast is long enough. But speaking of gates, we should address this. There's no longer ruts behind the gate, and teams. It took them. Zero races to figure out how to exploit that. And it's a bit of a mini a mini thing in the pits, a mini controversy that you have to line up in the middle of the gate, but yeah. people were not doing it. Last week at Anaheim 1, people were angling their bikes on the metal grate, and it was making people, some people very angry. And this week, they were enforcing, there's a little bar in the center. you got to line up on the bar. So that's a little bit of a controversy. And you notice they're not doing, which I predicted in my column, they're, they're not dropping the gate for all three practices which they did the last week in Anaheim. They only did it for the last practice, I guess. Um, anyways, which I predicted was would be tr- turn into a big ego shit show soon enough when you just drop the gate and have like a real start, you know, to start practice. So, um, all right. A2 this weekend, triple crown. I'm stoked. Be exciting. So, uh, flyracing.com, please check them out. Check out the gear. Check out the snow stuff. Check out the mountain bike stuff. Check out the watercraft stuff. Check out the hard part stuff. Right, JT? I mean, really. I'm in on all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah you are. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Uh, subscribe to Racer X Magazine. Appreciate that. Or otherwise, we'll stop doing these. Max's Tires and Alpine Star Protection all on board with us. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it. We will be here next week. Thanks, boys. See you. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil cylinders as a 
factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that air I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey,